Transmitter device activated. Coordinate set for Earth 2. Hey everyone, welcome to the Earth 2 podcast, the podcast where we explore the origins and development of the DC multiverse and the legacy of Golden Age characters throughout the Silver and Bronze Ages of comics. I'm Peter Watson. He is Peter Watson. And furthermore, I'm David Steele. And this week we are looking at issue 38 of Justice League of America, the second instalment of the 1965 Justice Society Justice League crossover. I mean, it's not a team up as such. No, true. As we found, but it's definitely a crossover. Um, Issue 38 of JLA was published on the 22nd of July, 1965, and is cover dated September 1965. Pete, tell us about the cover. Well, the cover is at first, or is this time? Mm, It is. Instead of having the usual splash, image covering the entire page we have a smaller image in the center of the, of the cover down either side we have the roll call for the people who are appearing in this issue now down the left hand side we have the justice society of earth 2 and alphabetically listed we have the atom dr fate the flash green lantern hawkman and mr terrific and down the right hand side we have the now named because they were just called justice league last time the now named lawless league of earth a and that's the evil Atom, the evil Batman, the evil Flash, the evil Green Lantern, the evil John Johns, and the evil Superman. They do look like a shady bunch. They certainly are. The headshot of Superman, he's blonde, with a ridiculous square jaw. He looks like a Neanderthal Aquaman. Yeah, aye, he does. Um, the Flash is a very <laughs> neat, precise, Terry Thomas-style moustache. Batman, as we mm-hmm. talked about in issue, when we did issue 37, has quite heavy facial stubble. Mm-hmm. This evil alternate Green Lantern bears a, a real close resemblance to Power Ring from the Crime Syndicate. Yes. And Martian Manhunter, his face reminds me of someone. He's, he's very lantern-jawed. Yes. He's, but he doesn't have the same sort of defined brow that, that John, the real John John sort of has. He's an evil Bruce Forsyth. So. Yeah. I mean, it's there's a lot of chin going on. <laughs> a lot of chin. And as Peter said, there's, a, there's one central image where Dr. Fate is punching the alternate Superman this idea of the, the columns of heads at the side. We will see again on a few future JLA-JSA team-ups. Numerous team-ups. Yeah, the, the conceit even lasts up to the 80s. So again, like issue 37, and like the Wonder Woman comic we did a couple of weeks ago, there's quite a lot of text on the cover. And it reads, Never in comic book history has there been a fight to equal the colossal battle waged between superheroes and astonishing supervillains, as in Crisis on Earth A. And at the bottom, there's another scroll-like blurb which says, Don't believe what you see. Nothing in this story is what it seems to be. Every page will surprise and thrill you. And it certainly will. It's safe to say that issue 38 is quite out there, literally. I'm looking forward to us diving in. So shall we? Uh, Yes, let's do that. So we have an opening splash page, very similar to ones we've had before, with the roll calls Mm -hmm. at either side, and Just League of America logo at the top. And there's a massive big text bit in the middle doing a bit of a recap. Alarmed by the non-appearance of Johnny Thunder at their headquarters, the members of the Justice Society of America of Earth 2 locate him in Earth 1, the victim of his own double. The criminal Johnny Thunder places the good but slightly wacky Johnny Thunder in a coma and takes command of his Bandesian magic thunderbolts. His first command to the Thunderbolt is to nullify the existence of the Justice League of America of Earth-1 by going back into time and preventing them from ever gaining their superpowers, or by forestalling their budding careers as crime fighters. Now, on a world without a superhero, Johnny Thunder fancies it is safe to rob. His security is shattered when the superpowered Justice Society of America crosses over into Earth-1 and prevents his gang from committing crimes. 
As a countermeasure, the criminal Johnny Thunder uses the Thunderbolt to rob and is again thwarted by the sextet of Justice Society heroes. Another inspiration prompts him to substitute his gang for the original and now non-existent members of the Justice League. Thus, on Earth A, for alternate, he has a lawless league ready to battle and overcome the Justice Society. As he shouts the words, let the battle begin, the stage has been set for... Crisis, Crisis on, on Earth, Earth A. I love the way that Earth A lettering has been, well, lettered for one of, or rendered for one of a better yes. way of putting it. It really pops. There is a spelling error in the text here. It does refer to yes. the Justic League of America and not the Justice League of America. <laughs> and I've, I've just had a quick look at Crisis and Multiple Arts Volume 1 trade paperback which collects the first mm-hmm. few JLA, JSA team-ups, and it's it's not been it's fixed not been for fixed. that. Oh, dear. Oh, well. <laughs> no, I know. Shocking quality control. I like the fact that in the recap, it has Johnny's line from the tail end of issue yes, 37. Yes, it's very good. If they were reprinting this in the issue of JLA later on, for example, it bleeds almost straight in. One thing we neglected to mention in the last episode is this conceit that uh, with the Justice League of America gone, there are no other heroes on Earth-1. Because, of course, at this time... You would have had the Challengers the Unknown, you'd have had the Doom Patrol, you'd have had the Metal Men. There are plenty of heroes still, but obviously not... Yeah, that's true. Other people could have stepped up. You know, we would have had Metamorpho and Zatanna and Zatara. We would have all them. Interesting. Obviously, you know, that doesn't really make this story flow (laughs) otherwise. Perhaps that's a premise for a later issue. No, but it's definitely worth pointing out. I mean, maybe it calls back to the feeling I had that all the world's finest stories that we were doing Mm -hmm. just took place in their own separate universe as well. Is it entirely possible that people like the Doom Patrol and the Challengers all existed in their own world and any time we saw members of the JLA, like for example at weddings or whatever, that they were those artists' version? Who can say? But you know, you're right. It's a very valid point. It did mm. kind of niggle with me when we were reading it that there are some other folk because we know that some of these other characters will turn up in future stories that we're going to be doing. Yeah. Anyway. So, into the story. So, we start off page two and the first opening caption says... Even as this struggle of titans is about to take place, Johnny Thunder orders the thunderbolt of its Earth-2 counterpart to take him to a safe place and set up a television screen on the wall. And that's what's happened. Johnny sat down, there's a nice lamp, there's a nice big telly screen. Um, Thunderbolt was standing there as well. And on the screen we can see Batman and Mr. Terrific fighting. And Johnny is saying, Hey T-Bolt, not in black and white. I want to watch this in living colour. And the Thunderbolt says... Why didn't you say so in the first place? <laughs> I like that. <laughs> Thunderbolt can't be bothered with Johnny at all, can he? And the caption for panel two says... Next moment... And we see the Thunderbolt twiddling his finger. And with a flash, the picture on the screen is turned to colour. And we can see Batman being punched out by Mr. Terrific in this instance. And Johnny says... There, that's better. Or is it? Mr. Terrific has turned the tables on my Batman. The caption for the next panel says, Two green lanterns swoop upward over the city rooftops, matching powering attack with powering defence. This is a great panel. The Golden Age Green Lantern of Earth 2, Alan Scott, has snared the evil Green Lantern of Earth A in a little net, and Monk Loomis is saying, Ha! Huh, who scare you, Green Lantern? i got just as much power as you have. Elsewhere, the caption for the next panel says, A duo of flashes whirls into super speed gyrations as... This is another great panel. We see the Golden Age Flash turning his left arm to create a sort of whirlwind tornado effect. And the evil Earth A Flash is doing the same with his right arm. And Jay Garrick Flash is saying, The only consolation about all this is I don't have to battle and defeat my Flash friend of Earth 1. 
And the evil Flash is saying, Man, what speed I got! I don't have to be afraid of nothing now! This is great because there's like traffic lights and waste paper bins and fire hydrants and bit of paper being flung around. It's great. All the debris of this street. I really hope the members of the public have all evacuated because it doesn't look safe at all. So <laughs> the top of page three and the first caption says, The gangster Superman reaches down and rips a skeleton skyscraper loose from its foundation. And sure enough, we can see that Superman is pulling at the structure that's been built and he's saying, I used to dream I could do something like this. Dr. Fate is in the foreground of the panel trying to fly out the way of the, the structure that evil Superman is bringing down. And Dr. Fate is thinking, I not only have to duplicate that phony Superman's powers, I have to top them. The caption for the next panel. He hurls it down on the Master Mage, totally engulfing him. Meaning that evil Superman has brought the building down on Dr. Fate, and with a crash, we see that Dr. Fate is buried underneath the rubble. And evil Superman is thinking, I got on the first and last blow. The caption for the next panel. The criminally-minded Martian Manhunter appears to be too mighty a foe for even Hawkman to handle. And evil Martian Manhunter's flying up to Hawkman saying, I got you trapped in this dead-end alleyway, Hawkman. There's no escape down, up or out. And he's carrying, carrying a boulder by the looks of it. And Hawkman, it must be said, looks a bit rattled. He does, yes. The caption for the next panel says, Simultaneously, the sinister Atom plots a size surprise attack on his namesake from Earth 2. The main focus of this panel is the Golden Age Earth 2 Atom. And, but we can see a little flash which is signifying that the, the shrunk down evil Atom is on his way to attack him. And Earth 2 Atom is thinking, How can I fight something I can't see? Then evil little shrunken down Atom is thinking, I'll wait until the last moment before I make myself big and heavy, so when I sock him, it'll take him completely by surprise. We then cut back to Superman and Dr. Fate, and the caption says, Meanwhile, upward from the skyscraper comes the blue and gold form of Dr. Fate. We see Dr. Fate emerging from under the girders and stuff, and Superman looks surprised and he says, Huh? You ain't even got a scratch on you, Dr. Fate says. My magic protects me, Superman. And then he's thinking, But nothing can protect you from my magic. Over the page to page four, the caption says, Only a wizard fist could hit Superman with such a telling effect. Yep, with a massive zock, Dr. Fate punches Superman out. Dr. Fate thinks, I know magic is a weakness of his, so I'll dish out a real big helping of it. Pretty much the front cover image. Yeah, I got that out of the way pretty quickly, didn't they? <laughs> <laughs> I'm really enjoying this so far. It's absolutely action-packed. It's zigging along. Right, so the caption for the next panel says... Back and forth, the Emerald Warriors are staging a colossal combat of super weapons. And this shows the two Green Lanterns. Alan Scott is firing sort of missiles and torpedoes at Evil Green Lantern. And Evil Green Lantern sort of conjured up some, some guns that are firing bullets at the Golden Age Green Lantern. And Alan Scott Green Lantern is thinking, I have a couple of advantages working for me. I'm experienced at power-willing weapons to fight for me, and while I know his weakness, he doesn't know mine. Ooh. Mm -hmm. Caption for the next panel. Panic-stricken by the awesome barrage, he must fend off as he desperately hurls his criminal underworld weapons at the Earth 2 Green Lantern. The evil Emerald Warrior leaves himself wide open for... And the Golden Age Green Lantern thinks... A yellow fist! A colour his ring is powerless to cope with, and we can see that Alan Scott, Golden Age Earth 2 Green Lantern, has conjured a yellow fist from his green power ring energy, and it's quite amusing because one of the things that's left from what um, the evil Earth A Green Lantern was generated with this power ring, there's a knuckle duster. Yeah, and a couple of blackjacks as <laughs> that's well. That's amazing. 
Yeah. Yeah. Oh, man, what a nasty, nasty man. So, yeah, Earth A, Green Lantern, is taken out by a giant yellow fist. I hate when that happens. So, the next panel, the caption says, Not far away, unable to use his wings, Hawkman drops like a stone as... Evil Martian Manhunter has reached Hawkman with his boulder. But Hawkman ducks out of the way. Evil Martian Manhunter says, I missed you, but I got your wings. And Hawkman thinks... I can't fly, but I can still use my belt of nth metal to get me up or down. You can see that the boulder the evil Martian Manhunter was carrying has smashed the wings off Hawkman's harness. That's terrible. Mm -hmm. We move to the top of page five and the caption says, As he drops, Hawkman's boots scrape hard along the building wall. We see Hawkman plummeting towards giant rubbish bins and as he plummets he thinks, One chance to overcome my almost invulnerable foe using friction. And we see Hawkman, the heels of his boots banging against the wall. And indeed, the caption for the next panel says, They cause a shower of sparks to fall toward a refuse can of oil-soaked rags. Yep, we see that happening. So there must be some sort of metal element of Hawkman's boots, I suppose. Yeah. Um, we see the sparks being generated, sure enough, the friction he's causing. And Hawkman is thinking, Yeah, that ought to result in a fire. And fire is the one weakness of that super Martian. We can see Hawkman's been successful because the oil-soaked rags have burst into flames. And the foreground of the panel, the evil Martian Manhunter is recoiling saying, Oh, my superpower's draining out of me. So the next caption, we move to another part of the fight. The speed duel between the flashes of two worlds continues out into the countryside, neither one yielding an inch. This panel shows both flashes at work. And Jace thinking, the tornadoes are whipping up or counterbalancing each other. It's about time I gave that upstart a lesson in super speed tricks. We can also see that both flashes are running in circles, generating up these little tornadoes. And it's stirring up all sorts of trouble because there's trees and boulders being flung about in the middle. They're obviously trying to take each other out by whooshing that stuff towards each other, I suppose. The caption for the next panel... As that fearsome fray rages, the flash of Earth-1 feels a tapping on his shoulder. This is a nice panel. We see the evil mustachioed flash of Earth-A attempting to punch Jay. And Jay's vibrating away at nobody's business. And he's thinking to himself... I'm vibrating so fast his fist is passing right through me. And at the same time... There's a hand has poked in at the other side of the panel and is tapping the Earth A flash on the shoulder with a couple of tap-tap giant sound effects. We move to the top of page six and the caption says, Just as his friend Barry Allen Flash once did, Jay Garrick Flash pulls a stunt that throws his counterpart completely off guard. There's a wee editor's note that says, In the Flash 121, Secret of the Stolen Blueprint. And in the panel, we see evil alternate Flash. On the left-hand side, he's being tapped on the shoulder by Jay Garrick, the Golden Age Flash. And on the right-hand side of the panel, it appears as though he's still punching um, the heavily vibrating Jay Golden Age Flash. And so, evil alternate Flash says, Huh? There's two of you? And the vibrating Jay Flash thinks, By ultra-speeding back and forth, I created the illusion of being in two places at the same time. Tremendous. Now, I must say, that's my favourite Flash speed trick of all time. They're appearing in two places mm. at once. I love that so much. It's so mm -hmm. much fun. Anyway. It's great. I can imagine that evil alternate Earth A Flash feels particularly huh? at this point. So the caption for the next panel says, But as his image starts to fade from the retina of the Earth One Flash, the true Flash lets go with a haymaker. That's a great panel. Indeed, the vibrating Flash image fades out in the background. In the foreground, with his left fist, Jay punches out evil alternate Earth A Flash, thinking, He's so surprised to see me, he forgot to vibrate. I don't know about you, but when I'm surprised to see people, I usually forget to vibrate. So I can totally relate. When I'm surprised to see someone, the level of my surprise has been known to actually make me start to vibrate. Interesting. Interesting. 
Anyway, it takes all sorts. So the caption for the next panel. Elsewhere, the mighty might is rocketing into his Earth 2 foe with pulse-pounding force. Oh, gee whiz. Yeah, this is nasty. We see that Golden Age Atom is going down like a sack of spuds and the evil alternate Earth Atom is bouncing away from him, thinking, That takes care of him. Now I'll give my buddies a hand. Caption for the next panel. But so swiftly does the Atom of Earth 2 react that even as he feels the initial impact of that blow, he begins to roll with the punch. The Atom of Earth 2 thinks as he goes down, I couldn't avoid that blow, but I can lessen its effects by lunging forward. Caption for the next panel. As his knee hits the ground, he whirls and leaps at his pin-sized attacker. And the evil alternate Earth A Atom says, Hey, he ain't out cold. I'll have to build him again. And Earth 2 Atom thinks, Here's where I turn its size and weight controls against him. Caption for the next panel. His fingers pinch down, gripping the palm of Atom's gloves, in which is embedded a miniature device controlling his size and weight changes. So yes, sure enough, we see Alprat's hand going for evil Atom's hand. And as we move to the top of page 7, the caption says, Next moment. And this is another really, really good panel. We see that the Earth 2 Atom has grabbed the gloves off of the evil alternate Earth A Atom. And Alprat of Two Atom is thinking, Did it! Ripped off his controls so he can't get big and small at the pressure of his fingertips. And he says out loud in the next panel, Now that I've also yanked away the size and weight controls in your buckle, you're the underdog in size and weight. Sure enough, he's up. we can see that he's also removed the Earth A Atom's belt. Caption for the next panel. Staring with bulging, disbelieving eyes at the defeat of his super gang is Johnny Thunder. And we can see Johnny in the Thunderbolt. Johnny's raging. On the screen behind them, it's the Golden Age Atom holding up the Earth A Atom. Johnny is saying, What's the matter with them guys? Every one of them let me down. They started out okay, then fizzled out. And Thunderbolt replies, They aren't used to working with superpowers. It's like sending rank amateurs against seasoned professionals. That's interesting, because the stuff at the tail end of 37 had all the moments when the Thunderbolt substituted the bad guys for the originals. Ah. I kind of got the sense that it was almost like he was rewriting history and putting these guys there in its place. But then we have this panel, which suggests that he just gave them the powers somehow and then just took them straight there. It's not been a complete change of history. It's you yeah. know, They've got the powers just purely so that he can use them just now. I think maybe they've got the powers and then he's brought them forward in time to that moment. He took them back to Aye, when they'd get the powers probably. and then that's, yeah. that's, that's where they don't get the experience. Mm-hmm. Either that or it could be that because they've had no heroes in this world uh, to fight against and you know, they've not had any competition so they've not actually had to fight. So they don't know how to fight. Could be either of them. That's reasonable, yeah. Anyway, so we move to the bottom level of panels on page 7. Johnny and the Thunderbolt in each other's face and Johnny is saying, Oh yeah? Well, you weren't so hard fighting them superheroes and there were six of you. And Thunderbolt says, That's because I was only a pale shadow of myself. Johnny turns back to his television. Bah! Excuses, excuses. Hey, maybe he can still save the day for me. And on the screen, it's evil alternate Earth A Batman squaring up to Mr. Terrific. And Batman is saying, We've battled from room to roof, Mr. Terrific, and it's been a standoff. But I've got one thing you haven't. A utility belt. I forgot about it till now. Outstanding. Then we move to the top of page 8 and the caption says, From his utility belt, the gangster Batman hurls a pellet that breaks and splatters across the rooftop. So the pellet breaks on the ground just as Mr. Terrific steps forward. And Batman says, When you finish that step, the instant glue will hold you tight, giving me the advantage I need to beat you. And Mr. Terrific says, You also forget, Batman, that I am the man of a thousand talents, including acrobatics. 
and the caption that covers the next three panels says, So marvellous is his muscular control that even in mid-step the defender of fair play launches into a sensational acrobatic feat. Terrific, indeed. Um, <laughs> over a sequence of this sequence of three panels, we see Mr. Terrific leap into mid-air and somersault forwards, thinking, An aerial double somersault without putting foot to the roof. The caption for the next panel says, and as he comes out of that terrific tumbling act. Fantastic. Or terrific. Terry Sloan, Mr. Terrific, punches out evil Batman with a wham, saying, Batman, you've had it. Story continues on fourth page following. So, Tootsie Pop advert, Palisades Amusement Park advert, some things about stars, Rocky and Bullwinkle advertising Cheerios, Nature's Bill of Rights public information page, and then we arrive at Crisis in Earthy, part two, and a caption that says, The victorious Justice Society members gather with their defeated foes in tow. The scars of battle, rooftops marred or broken, buildings destroyed, lampposts bent and broken, fences and trees uprooted, will all be put back to normal by Green Lantern, even as Dr. Fate prepares to put a spell of ancient Chaldea on the super gangsters. This is opening panel, quite large. It basically shows the Justice Society heroes bundling all the baddies up. We see Mr. Terrific dragging Batman along. Green Lantern has evil Green Lantern in a bubble. The Flash is carrying evil Flash over his shoulders. Dr. Fate has his evil Superman bound up in bolts of lightning. Hawkman, who's managed to get his wings back on, is carrying along Martian Manhunter. And he's got some something flaming matter on his left hand to subdue Martian Manhunter. And we see the Golden Age Atom lifting up the shrunken down unconscious body of the evil alternate Earth A Atom. And as all this is going on, Dr. Fate is saying, Great work, fellow members. I'll put a magic spell on all of them now, forcing them to tell us how they became evil counterparts of the Justice League. And Alan Scott Green Lantern says, While I repair all the damage we did in our battles. So, the caption for the next panel says, under Dr. Fate's magical bidding. And we see the evil alternate Justice League standing in a sort of little huddle. Dr. Fate's casting a spell over them. And evil Flash is saying, Johnny Thunder sent a Thunderbolt back into the past. Instead of Barry Allen becoming Flash, I became the Scarlet Speedster. And the evil Green Lantern is saying, Yeah, that's the way it happened to all of us. And Hawkman concludes, So that clears up the mystery of the missing Justice League. I suggest we go back in time, Dr. Fate, and undo the harm that Hexbolt did. The caption for the next panel at the bottom of page 9 says, Before the Justice Society members can scoot back into the past, however, Johnny Thunder is readying another assault. And in close-up here, Johnny Thunder of Earth-1 looks absolutely deranged. As his television on in the background, we can see the, the JSA and the JLA members on it. Johnny looks mental, and Thunderbolt looks very pained. It's quite funny. And Johnny is saying, Those guys beat me again, but this time I'm ahead of them. I already thought up another way to defeat them. Over the page to page 10, and a caption says, Anticipatory triumph rasps in his throat as he cries out his orders. I read once that a hurricane has the force of a hundred atom bombs. Man, that's one thing they can't buck. Say you, Thunderbolt. Whip up a super hurricane and slam them superheroes halfway around the world, caption says. Hex magic flares again, and instantly a titanic hurricane whips out of nowhere. And we see the Justice Society members just being tumbled all around, and Dr. Fate is saying, No way out of this. The magic has been accomplished, and I can't nullify it. But I can make a try at protecting us from its effects. 
the caption for the next panel. At magical speed, a gondola forms about them, cradling them from the awesome fury of the whipping wind. Simultaneously, the Emerald Gladiator forms twin anchors. Green Lantern has essentially created a protective bubble, and he's also created with his power ring two anchors that, have, that are stretching out and holding them steady by sort of attaching themselves to giant rocks. And Doctor Fate says, "Inside this aerial car, we're relatively safe." And Alan Scott Green Lantern says, "By joining the force of my power ring to Doctor Fate's wizardry, I'll form anchors to hold us safely." Caption for the next panel. Growing more hysterical by the moment, Johnny Thunder howls another command. Yep, an extreme deranged close-up. This is, <laughs> this is terrifying. Johnny is saying, An earthquake, quick! It'll loosen the anchors and prevent the JSA from taking life easy while the hurricane whips them about. You know how in the last issue I said there's a panel that looked very much like Don Hex's artwork? Yeah. This close-up looks very Jack Kirby, doesn't it? It does, doesn't it? Yeah. The grotesque, sort of very squared-off features. It's just missing the Kirby drool in the mouth and the big open mouth. That's all it's missing. Yeah. Oh, man. Fantastic. Great stuff. We should say it's like the big sort of two-thirds page panel of the JSA being buffed about is actually Mm -hmm. quite good as well. Hawkman's in the foreground. Mm -hmm. Brilliant detail on him. Mr. Terrific in the Flash, you know, behind them. All in different poses, all extreme poses. Yeah. Great stuff. It's a cracker. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. So, we're at the top of page 11 now, um, after Johnny's told the Thunderbolt he wants an earthquake, and the caption says, The surface of the earth quivers like jelly, the rocks split open, fissures appear, and noxious gases rise upwards. We see the JSA again tumbling around. The anchors obviously have gone, so they're, they're kind of being flung around loose again. And Dr. Fate says, Oh, my magic gondola protects us against the hurricane, but not against the earthquake. Atom, watch it! Gosh. So obviously, as they're being thrown about inside the gondola, the atom crashes into Dr. Fate, and this has not gone well for the caption for the next panel says, As the mystic mage reels into unconsciousness under that uncontrollable impact by the atom, the gondola splits apart, and... There is a lot going on in this panel. We can see that Dr. Fate and the atom are falling down nearer the ground. We can see the gas from the that was mentioned in the earlier caption sort of floating around. It's almost like the first three panels of this page almost kind of flow into each other, actually. Yeah, it's quite definitely. good. Um, so Atom and Dr. Fate fall to, are falling to the ground, but then, oh no, there's a tree that being buffed up by the hurricane, and it hits Green Lantern, and he says, that wood, my nemesis, slamming into me. And he's out for the count, which prompts the Flash to say, Three of us are knocked out of the fight. It's up to the rest of us to do the rescue bit. This is good. This is... The heroes in action. The caption for the next panel says, His wings partially shredded in the teeth of the howling wind, Hawkman manages to make two diving catches. Hawkman has caught hold of Green Lantern's cape and of Dr. Fate's cape, and he's bearing them upwards, thinking, I grabbed GL and Doc Fate, but I don't know how long my wings will stay on. If they give way, we'll all fall to our dooms. And we can see, as Hawkman bears Green Lantern and Dr. Fate up, that the Atom, Flash and Mr. Terrific are much further down. They're still, it looks like they're all still falling to the ground. And the caption for the next panel says, Unable to save themselves, Atom, Mr. Terrific and Flash drop into the maw of a mighty fissure. And as they fall, Mr. Terrific is nearer the ground. Flash is sort of above him and the Atom is further above him. And the Flash is thinking, Air currents so turbulent, can't whirl my arms or drum with my feet in the air to make a safe landing. And Mr. Terrific's thinking, None of my thousand talents can cope against this onslaught of natural forces. Over the page to page 12, the caption says, Leading the fall to doom is Mr. Terrific. Yep, Teddy's nearest the ground and he manages to grab hold of a rock. There's sort of a bit of a rocky outcrop and he's thinking, I'll try to grab hold of that rock and get a good hold on it. Flash just behind them thinks, 
There's no air turbulence inside the fissure. Now I can drum my feet in the air and build up resistance. You can see the atom still falling behind you. The caption for the next panel says, The Scarlet Speedster halts his awesome fall and, as his feet and legs blur to build up air pressure under him, he catches the atom, who is stirring to life. Sure enough, Jay catches hold of the atom, who says, I'm coming around, fellas. And Jay says, as he continues to run in thin air, Just in time, Adam. Grab Mr. Terrific while I get a grip under your feet. The caption for the next panel says, Next moment, all three Justice Society members hang by fingers from an edge of rock. And Mr. Terrific is still a hold of the, the rocky outcrop. The atom is holding on to his ankles, and the Flash is holding on to the atom's ankles. And Mr. Terrific says, Can you hold on, Atom? And the atom says, For a while. How about you, Flash? And the Jay Garrick says, I'm getting ready to get us out of here. Just let me catch my breath. Caption for the next panel, we cut back to Hawkman. Above them, disaster strikes as the turbulent gale tears off Hawkman's wings. Gosh, yeah, Hawkman's wings have been torn off by the wind. He's still got hold of Green Lantern and Doctor Fate, and Hawkman thinks, Ah, without the wings, I can only go down into the fissure. If I go up, those high-velocity winds will tear Doctor Fate and Green Lantern out of my grasp. Gosh, right, so we move to the top of page 13, and a caption says, then, up from the fissure, comes the trio of Justice Society heroes with Flash, furnishing the motive power with drumming feet. This is great. Hawkman is losing his altitude, but the Flash is bringing the Atom and Mr. Terrific up underneath him. Um, he's still bearing Green Lantern and, and Dr. Fate. And Hawkman says, Great teamwork, fellows. Terrific, you grab Green Lantern and Fate. I'll hold on to the Doc's hands and use my gravity power to pull you all upward. And at the bottom of all this is the Flash, and he says, as you do, I'll rotate my arms and manoeuvre us to safe and level ground. i got to say, this would, be, this would look absolutely brilliant in a movie, wouldn't it? <laughs> Can you imagine? It would be so exciting, like Terry and Jay and Al falling, and then Carter losing his wings and starting to fall, and then Jay bearing you know, Al and Terry up, and Terry grabbing hold, and there'd be triumphant music playing as they all work together. It's, it's glorious. It's really nice to be able to see them sort of working together like this. This is something that's kind of repeated in an early Chris Claremont uh, X-Men story, where they, all the X-Men kind of... I can't remember if they fell out of a plane or something, but they're all free-falling in the sky and they have to use their powers to try and save each yes. other. That was a great, great moment. But this is the same idea. I know the one you mean. It's the start of um, X-Men issue 95, isn't it? It's Yeah, it's really early on, huh? Yeah, because there's that bit when Cyclops says to Nightcrawler how he can teleport, and Nightcrawler says that he can't because he would materialise at the momentum that he was falling at. Yeah. Colossus turns to metal and speeds up and hits the ground himself, but then... Banshee and Storm kind of get um, Nightcrawler and Thunderbird down and then you think Cyclops and Wolverine obviously as well and then you think Cyclops is going to go splat it's tremendous yes might, we might stick a couple of panels up for that actually yeah just a compare that's fun absolutely so the, the caption then for the second panel of page 13 says no team of acrobats ever performed such a fantastic feat as this until the X-Men did it later this is terrific so the panel basically at the bottom we have Jay spinning his arms and zooming and flashing his feet around. The Atom is standing on his shoulders, and on the Atom's shoulders is standing Mr. Terrific, who has Green Lantern over his left shoulder. He's supporting Dr. Fate, but Hawkman is there at the very top. He's holding on to Dr. Fate as well. So Hawkman says, OK for landing, Flash. And the Flash says, Right, just as soon as Fate and Green Lantern snap out of it, we'll go after Johnny Thunder and stop him from balking at our attempt to revive the Justice League. We go back to Johnny and the Thunderbolt with a caption for the panel saying, in wild despair, Johnny Thunder shouts out. Did you hear that, T-Bolt? They're coming after me, and I've run out of ideas how to fight them. I gotta go someplace where I can think. A safe place where... The moon! 
They'll never find me there. Caption for the next panel. As the Thunderbolt leaps eagerly to obey his say you command. Johnny says, cool it, Bolt, cool it. Not so fast. You think you're going to trick me, eh? Well, I know there's no air in the moon, so put a spacesuit on me first so I can breathe. Oh, yeah. And don't leave any trail for the Justice Society to follow. Caption for the next panel. Next moment, upward to the lunar satellite of Earth-1 rockets the Badnesian hex bolts. And this is great. Johnny's in his spacesuit and Thunderbolt has indeed taken him to the moon. And Johnny's thinking, I might have known I forget something. If there's no air in the moon, I can't give any commands to T-Bolt. With no air, he can't hear him. Over the page to page 14, and the caption says, Next moment, the criminal finger scrawls a command on the dusty lunar surface. This is brilliant. Johnny is on his hands and knees and he's scratched into the surface of the moon. Say you, put air on the moon. And Thunderbolt is thinking, Shucks, I thought I had him there for a minute. The caption for the next panel says, The hex magic of the Thunderbolt stabs out and instantly a column of air swirls up off the earth to encompass the moon. Yes, it's a great panel. It kind of looks like, the way it's been drawn, it looks like the moon has kind of zoomed up itself from the, it does, yeah. from the surface of the earth. It's worth pointing out, given when we did the last JSA, JSA team-up, we weren't too sure about the quality of the outer space printing, but we've got a nice dark background for space, and there's lots of lights and stars and other planets around. It's quite, it's quite nice. And obviously on the surface of the moon, Johnny is saying, There, that's better. Now I can take off my spacesuit and you can hear the commands I give you. Caption for the next panel is return to the Justice Society. Back on Earth, after Green Lantern and Doctor Fate repair the damages caused by the hurricane and earthquake... The Justice Society members hold an impromptu meeting. And the Atom says, Since we've lost all trace of Johnny and his Thunderbolt, I vote we go ahead with our plans to restore the real Justice League. And the Flash says, I'm in favour. And Green Lantern says, We all are. Come on, Dr. Fate, let's do some space-time travelling. Caption for the next panel says, But when the Master Mage and Emerald Crusader drive into the mists of the past... Yeah, and we can see that Dr. Fate is observing Race Morrison being struck by lightning and gaining the powers of the Flash. And he says, Just as I feared, this magic has already taken place. I cannot change it. And we see Green Lantern observing Eddie Orson being gifted with the Martian Manhunter powers. And Green Lantern is saying, Nor can I, even with all the energies in my power ring. We move to the top of page 15. When they return and make their report... And the GSA are back in conference. And the Flash says... Looks like our one hope is to find the Earth 2 Johnny Thunder. And Atom says... And in some way compel him and his Thunderbolt... Mr. Terrific continues... To restore their true powers to Barry Allen, Ray Palmer, Hal Jordan and the others. But how do we find them? And this prompts Jay to answer in the next panel... While you two went to the past, I circled the Earth in search of a clue to their whereabouts. And the only hint I came across was a mysterious funnel of air whirling away from Earth. Ooh, wonder that could be. So... Caption for the next panel says, Lifted upward by Dr. Fate and Green Lantern, the Justice Society rushes to the North Pole, where... And we see Green Lantern bearing Flash, Mr. Terrific and Atom Logan on a nice little green power ring platform, Hawkman flying along, Dr. Fate flying along, and from the platform, the Flash says, You see, the air is rising upward here into space. And Dr. Fate says, Yes, and by following it by the conjuration, I can follow it to the moon. And the next caption's brilliant. Out into space go the superheroes, bound towards the nature-made satellite that orbits the planet called Earth-A, and the hiding place of Johnny Thunder. And Green Lantern has now created a sort of hollow aeroplane-type bubble. They're all standing in it as it zooms up the little air whirl towards the moon. 
and the caption for the next panel says Far ahead of them on the lunar landscape, the criminal mind of Johnny Thunder has one last trump card yet to play. And we see Johnny in the Thunderbolt standing on the surface of the moon. Um, Johnny's obviously he doesn't have a spacesuit anymore. And he's saying, everything I've tried so far has failed. So I'm going to form my own private band of super beings. I'll make them according to my own ideas. Say you, T-Boat, create the following super creatures for me. Over the page to page 16, the first caption says, A flash of Andesian hex magic and... We see the Thunderbolt gesturing, the giant pink flash, and a giant green man wearing a sort of orange skirt and sort of orange boots appears and Johnny is saying, Medusa man. One look at his face when the bolt finishes and wham, the victims turn to wood. Caption for the next panel. And the next to know, the breath of life. Thunderbolt has gestured again and conjured a rather very brutish looking, very large, orangey pink sort of man wearing blue shorts. He looks a, a bit like a sumo wrestler, yeah. if that helps you visualise him. And Johnny says, Absorbo man, who can absorb any superpowers used against him and turn him to his own advantage. That sounds familiar somehow. Then the last panel says, And the last to take shape. Flashing into existence at the Thunderbolt's magic. Giant blue skinned fellow. Almost monkey-like features. He's got really, really long right arm, it seems. Maybe it's just the way he's drawn. And Johnny says, Repello man. He can repel any force hurled against him and direct it back at the sender. That ought to cool off them Justice Society hotshots. A new T-Bolt. You stand by in case of emergency. All three of these guys look like they've just stepped out the pages of either Strange Adventures or Mystery in Space, don't they? Well, you're absolutely right, they do. I mean, these could be like cover feature monster guys in, in any of the sci-fi anthologies, but they look terrific. And the story follows on the second page following. So the opposite page to this, we have a half-page advert for an enemy ace rocking up in Showcase, which is quite interesting. And so over the page, we move to the top of page 17, and the caption says, Crisis on Earth A, Part 3. And some explanatory text which says, I'll put along the spiralling funnel of breathable air come the Justice Society members toward their lunar rendezvous with destiny in the shape of the three Johnny Thunder creative supervillains, Medusa Man, Absorbo Man and Repello Man. And that is just all one sentence. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Gardner. For Triple one score. <laughs> yeah, this is a great panel. We see um, Medusa Man, Absorbo Man and Repello Man Basically, kind of from the back, and it's significant. We don't see Medusa Man's face, which I quite like. Mm -hmm. We see the the rocket shaped Green Lantern power bubble coming to rest. Johnny's pointing that out to the to his three creations, and he's saying, "Here they come now. Go get them, men. Nothing can stop you. You're the greatest." And the caption for the next panel says, "Atom and Mister Terrific are the first to set foot on the dusty surface of the lunar orb. They leap forward, eager for the fray." We see. Al and Terry running forward, and Medusa Man is crouching down. For indeed, the Atom says, I spotted one of them behind that rock. And Mr. Terrific says, Let's take him together, Adam. Caption for the next panel says, As the duo rushes closer, the being with the face of doom steps out from behind the moonstone, and... And sure enough, the Medusa effect takes place. The Atom says, Oh, that face! And Mr. Terrific says, Changing us to wood! And sure enough, a wooden texture is, is appearing before them. They've been transformed. Oh no! So we move to the top of page 18 and the caption says, Warned by the awesome fate of his fellow members, Dr. Fate avoids looking upon the upturned face of Medusa Man. Instead... We see Dr. Fate gesturing with his lightning bolts and creating a, a mask which has appeared. <laughs> this is interesting. He's created a mask for the Medusa Man. 
Mm. Which blocks out his face. A Medusa mask, would yeah, you call it? Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Ex- <laughs> you got what I was alluding mm. to there. Nice. Dr. Fate thinks as he does that. These radar-directed lightnings will seek out our foe's face. Yeah, and they've obviously they've formed the mask. So it's, it's a shame that Dr. Fate himself doesn't remark upon the irony of having to create a, a Medusa mask so soon after his own troubles with the yes. psycho pirate. Anyway, the caption for the next panel says, A blank golden mask materialises over that horrific face. Magic has formed it. Magic holds it there as Medusa Man strives vainly to free his features. I'm into it. This is good. This is really good. Yeah. So we see Medusa Man struggling to remove the mask from his face. And I love the fact that we didn't see his face. Yes. That's great because, you know, Absolutely. that's that's genius. That's mm-hmm. brilliant storytelling because the kids reading it will be going, oh, my God, what does he look like? It's a good thing we can't see his face because I'd be turned into mm-hmm. wood. So anyway, the Flash and Hawkman are rushing past in the background. And the Flash says... <sighs> If it hadn't been for Dr. Fate, we might be woods, like Adam and Terrific. And Hawkman agrees and points out, Flash, another villain up ahead. I wonder what powers he has. And the caption for the next panel, Like a human canoe, the Scarlet Speedster paddles, hands full of biting moon dust at the looming figure of Repello Man. Human canoe sounds like a really, really obscure DC or quality comics character from the 40s. (laughs) (laughs) I can't remember Roy Thomas ever using him. Neil Star Squadron. Human no. Human Bomb? I want you to meet my friend, Human Canoe. How's it going? <laughs> so yeah, this panel is terrific. It shows Jay using his hands to stir up clouds of moon dust and throw them towards Repello Man. And the Flash is thinking, As he used to say in the old westerns, another critter bites the dust. And the caption for the next panel. From above, Hawkman darts downward with his battle mace slamming furiously. And we see Hawkman bringing the mace down on the back of Repello Man's head. Hawkman is thinking, I'll make this a double KO. Caption for the next panel. For a moment, Repello Man stands still under that joint attack. And we see Hawkman again swinging his mace down on Repello Man's head. And he says, He hasn't made a move to stop us, Flash. And the Flash is still down on the ground, obviously, still waving his hands, still generating clouds of moon dust. And he says, Maybe it's because he can't. Over the page to page 19. And the caption says, Suddenly the grim figure shakes itself, stirs to life. Upward from its body stream the biting dust motes, and off its head shoots the Hawkman mace. Of course, because he's Repello Man. And the Flash says, The moon dust, doing a turnabout. And Hawkman Still in the air says, My mace coming right back at me. The caption for the next panel. As that terrible lunar storm hits him, driven by double the strength with which he hurled at the Trapello man, the Scarlet Speedster drops. Yeah, Jay Garrick is down. We see him on the ground and he thinks, Oh, slamming into me like a million tiny fists. And then the next panel, the caption says, While the winged wanderer becomes the victim of his own ancient weapon. And with an unusual splat sound effect, we see Hawkman being taken out by his mace. Now, I must say, when we were doing our preparation for this, I might have WhatsApped Peter these two panels individually because they made me laugh so much, (laughs) (laughs) I have to say. Anyway, we see Ropello Man standing in the dust over the Flash and Hawkman, and the caption says, Silence falls across this segment of the moon. The Flash and Hawkman lie inert as Ropello Man stands motionless, waiting for the next attack. Indeed. Elsewhere, the caption for the next panel says, Speeding overhead goes Green Lantern, power beam stabbing a massive chain around Absorbo Man. And sure enough, that's what's going on. We see Alan using his ring to conjure a giant chain, and he thinks, everything's gone wrong. 
I've got to stop one of these beings at least. We move to the top of page 20, and the caption says, Green and glowing, drawing that vibrant verdancy within itself, stands Absorbo Man. Frantically, the Emerald Crusader fires bolt after bolt of powering energy at the creation of Johnny Thunder. It's quite an interesting panel. We can see the, the chains that Green Lantern has created of sort of digging into the shoulders of Absorbo Man. And Absorbo Man himself has now turned green. Almost like Absorbo Man is absorbing the chains. Yeah, it's, it's interesting. He's maybe like he's absorbing um, GL's energy itself. So indeed, GL conjures a hammer from his ring, fires that at Absorbo Man, and Alan thinks as he's doing so, incredible. It's taking everything I throw at it and absorbing it. We move to the top of the next sequence of panels and the caption says, Then, from out of Absorbable Man streaks a mighty green force. It is formless, but it contains all the power which the Emerald Crusader has beamed at Absorbo Man. And we see the energy flashing out and it catches Green Lantern, who goes flying backwards, saying, Bleh! We cut to Johnny and the Thunderbolt. Caption says, Spectator Johnny Thunder goes into a wild victory dance. Yippee! I've won! Only Dark Fate is left, and when he tries his magic against either Rapello Man or Absorbo Man, he'll suffer the same fate as the others. And the Thunderbolt was thinking, Oh no, looks like Thunder's really out-tricked the Justice Society this time. Indeed, the caption for the next panel says, Single-handedly, Dr. Fate swoops in on his seemingly invulnerable foes. And we see Absorbo Man and Rapello Man standing in the dust. We can see the, the wooden forms of Mr. Terrific and the Atom in front of him. And Dr. Fate is thinking, I can't bring back the Asim or Mr. Terrific, Flash or Hawkman, because what happened is accomplished magic. In the next panel, he flies over the Atom and Dr. Fate, gesturing with his magical lightning bolts, and he thinks, But I have one slim thread of hope to cling to in the wooden persons of Asim and Mr. Terrific. Over the page to page 21, the caption says, In obedience to the Magic Master spell, the wooden shapes of the Asim and Mr. Terrific swirled upward into the air. Dr. Fate continues to think, That absorbing man ingested the great powers of Green Lantern. I'm banking on him having also ingested GL's weakness towards wood. Interesting, yeah. So this panel again, Dr. Fate is gesturing with his magical lightning bolts, and the wooden figures of Mr. Terrific and the Atom start moving. The caption for the next panel, Hurled forward at blinding speed, the wooden shapes bang into Absorbo Man. And indeed with a thwack and a thud, the wooden figures of Terry and Al slam into Absorbo Man. And the caption for the next panel says, Then, before the stunned eyes of Johnny Thunder, Absorbo Man falls apart. Yeah, with a giant crack sound effect, we see Absorbo Man just splitting into many, many pieces. And Johnny Thunder says, Hey, how'd that happen? And the Thunderbolt says, Bravo, Dr. Fate had a trick in reserve. In the next panel, Johnny says, Well, that same trick won't work on Rapello Man. As soon as he shoots his deadly magic at it, it'll be flung right back at him. And the Thunderbolt was thinking, Hmm, how's fate going to get out of that trap? Not even I could do that. The caption for the next panel. Downward from the fingers of Dr. Fate streams a flow of awesome magic. Straight for Rapello Man goes that wizardry. We see Dr. Fate flying towards Rapello Man, again gesturing and firing out some of his magical lightning bolts. And he's thinking, Johnny is right. Rapello Man will repel my magic. But that's what I'm counting on, to win. We move to the top of page 22 and the caption says, The necromantic bolts converge on Rapello Man. Play across his figure. And we see Dr. Fate hurling more lightning bolts at Rapello Man, thinking, Will it repel those energies? It must. 
The caption for the next panel says, As Johnny Thunder and the Master Mage watch, scarcely breathing, Rapello Man swells and swells. Indeed, Doctor Fate continues to hurl magical lightning bolts at Rapello Man, and Johnny Thunder says, Boy, look at that! Rapello Man is bracing himself for a mighty repellent blow! Doctor Fate thinks, As soon as he strikes, it'll be all over. For him. The caption for the next panel. Then, with awesome surge of sorcery, Rapello Man explodes. With a massive varoom sound effect, that's indeed what happens. And Dr. Fate, who's flying overhead, thinks, I flung bolts of reverse magic at him. When he tried to repel them back at me, the reverse happened. <laughs> and they were attracted to him. Fantastic. This is the Dr. Fate show, isn't it? It really is, yeah. He's definitely the most valued player of the GSA. He's got the cover spot and he's doing everything to take out the baddies. He seems to be the de facto leader as well. Yeah, so, absolutely. Yeah. So, the caption for the next panel says, A distraught Johnny Thunder screams a command. Okay, it's magic against magic. Now, say you, T-Bolt. Get up there and battle it out with Dr. Fate. Keep fighting till you win. That's an order. T-Bolt moves off. The caption for the next panel says, a magic finger stabs out at Dr. Fate, who counterattacks with a sorceress meteor at the Batnesian Hex Bolts. And indeed, we see Thunderbolt gesturing with a big pink lightning bolt, and Dr. Fate responding with a sorceress meteor, which just looks like a giant orange, to be honest. So, we're over the page on page 23, just past an advert for Lowe's Lane to page giant, and the first caption on page 23 says, The magic finger misses and cracks into a lunar mountain. So the Hex Bolt is going right past Dr. Fate, Cracks into the mountain, there's a massive crack sound effect, and we see Johnny Thunder being pelted with lots of moon rocks, I suppose. And Johnny yells, Yay! I'm cutting the rock storm! And the caption for the next panel says, Even as the lunar rocks rain down on him, the meteor flung by Dr. Fate explodes in awesome fury. That was a massive wham as that meteor explodes, and we see Johnny being caught in the full force of the explosion. We can see his clothes being torn. The poor sod, that's a shame. And he's saying, I'm an innocent bystander here, but I'm taking all the punishment. The caption for the next panel. As the all-out magical battle rages overhead, Johnny Thunder is caught in a riptide of incredible magic forces. It's a great panel of Johnny. Basically, as lots of giant pink thunderbolt and yellow Doctor Fate thunderbolts and lightning bolts are flashing all around him. Um, his clothes are being shredded and he says, Help! Things have gone from bad to worse. Then the caption for the next panel. Moments later, he is banged downward across jagged rocks. And as he lands, he says, Alk, what a pound that I'm taking. He is smothered under dense clouds of flying moon dust. <coughs> I can't take it anymore. They're doing all the fighting, and I'm getting the worst of it. Enough's enough. And as we turn over to page 24, the caption says, Frustrated by his failures, battered by the colossal conflict above him, Johnny Thunder screams his final command. And this is another very Kirby-esque looking panel, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. <laughs> and Johnny yells, Say you, Thunderbolt, stop! I wish none of this had ever happened! I wish everything was back the way it was before I saw you, and that I'd never see you again for the rest of my life! Says me! And then a caption says, Instantly, everything returns to where it was originally before Johnny Thunder of Earth 2 decided to go to Earth 1. Thus... At Justice Society headquarters. And we see the assembled members of the GSA, with Johnny arriving at the meeting. Johnny says, Hi, fellow members. Good to see you again. And Hawkman says, Johnny, you're right in time. Let's start the meeting. The Atom's smiling, and Mr. Drevic's smiling, and Hawkman's smiling, and GL and Flash are smiling, and Dr. Fate's beaming through his helmet. <laughs> Possibly. We don't know. He could, he could be scowling. We don't know. He looks like he's beaming, doesn't he? <laughs> mm, I don't For the know. Oh, boo. 
And the caption for the next panel says... <laughs> and on Earth One, at its regular meeting, is the Justice League. And sure enough, we see the assembled Justice League. We see the Atom, we see Superman, Green Lantern, Martian Manhunter, Green Arrow, who has a red hat. He does, We see yes. Snapper Car, we see Aquaman, we see Hawkman, Batman, Wonder Woman and The Flash. And Superman is saying, no unusual crimes reported to us. Although there's an item here about somebody named Johnny Thunder, a small-time crook. And... Flash has got his finger up as if it's rung a bell with him, and he says... Johnny Thunder. The name sounds familiar. Now, where did I hear of it before? And we close on a final panel with Johnny Thunder's Thunderbolt, and he says to the reader... We know what happened, reader, but no one else does. And I'm not going to shoot off my big mouth to tell anybody. For what they don't know won't bother them. How about you? Will you keep my secrets? The The end. end. Thunderbolt giving a little thumbs up. A little wink as well. Yeah, and then underneath all that there's a one-third of a page advert for Brave and the Bold issue 61, which we did a few episodes ago. Mm. Well then, yes. that was Justice League of America issue 38. What did you think, Pete? Yeah, well, before we get into that, I just want to mention this second last panel of Flash saying Johnny Thunder, the name sounds familiar. Yeah. I mean, we know Barry is a massive comic fan and he knows everything about Jane. He read Jane Flash comics. Yeah. Johnny Thunder was published in Flash comics. So of course... He, he would know, not well, where does that name sound familiar, it's like Johnny Thunder. Especially, you know, considering they have met the GSA and stuff before. Hmm. Maybe he's anyway, just trying to be anyway. cool. He's sat next to Wonder Woman, after all. If you were sat next to Wonder Woman, you wouldn't want to be that much of a geek. <laughs> so, what do you think then, issue 38? That was great fun. I loved it. Well, here, here's the thing. See, when I first read this story, I had issue 38 for years. And mm. It was ages before I actually got a chance to read issue 37. And to be honest, when I read issue 38, I really didn't like it. Right. Because it made, it started off in the middle of a story and it was all over the place and it made Mm -hmm. absolutely no sense. But see, reading it with issue 37, it's so much fun. Mm -hmm. But but when I read issue 38 on its own, I thought, front cover is set up as if it's going to be, you know, Justice Society against this evil Justice League. uh, And it's disposed of within a few pages, pretty much. Uh, and yeah. then you've got this... the story is called Crisis on Earth A, and then that doesn't really play out at all because most of the issue takes place on the moon. Yeah, it's bizarre. <laughs> that kind of tainted my thinking on the story for years uh, until I actually read 37 and the whole thing kind of clicked in. Is this issue on its own kind of stand by what I thought you know, years ago? If you'd just read this on your own, I think you would be a bit kind of lost and not really enjoying it as much. But certainly as a two part, I think it's great fun. Yeah, my memory is that when, um, when I first read these in the 90s, when I was embarking on being a sort of a hardcore DC Comics collector. Hmm. This was the... I didn't have very fond memories of this story at all. I now have the feeling that I probably just spun through it because reading it properly through this time, I really enjoyed it. I loved the scenes with the Justice Society working together. I loved the battle on the moon with the weird random monsters. That was really exciting, really interesting. I mean, the ending was a bit of a cop-out. It would have been nice if Dr. Fate had found another way to figure out a way of changing everyone back. But I liked it also. I did like and appreciate how he kept on talking about established magic or whatever it was. So it meant that, you know, he couldn't just reverse things. It's a nice set of rules that they put in there. I loved the fight between uh, Thunderbolt and Dr. Fate because you didn't see it. You literally just saw Johnny Thunder and (laughs) and all this chaos happening around him. Yeah, Johnny being flung about. That was a really clever move. Yeah. A really clever move as opposed to, you know, just showing big dramatic battles of more superhero fights because we've pretty much had that for best part two issues really yeah so it's much more interesting to see just him being put through the mill by his own actions and his own choices and i found that really interesting i also yeah. really like how thunderbolt was kind of i don't want to say amoral but you know it's like he was a bit kind of it's a bit annoyed at the fact he was having to do bad stuff for johnny thunder but he didn't 
like from trying to find a way out of it. He just had to do it. Yeah. And he kind of went yeah. along with it, but he tried to have fun with it as well by, you know, pretty uh-huh. much taking I the mickey out of him and things. So that was fun. Yeah, and I mean, I liked, there was, obviously there was a point where Thunderbolt was sort of like, almost seemed glad that, that things were going wrong for Johnny. Yeah. I think it's just obviously Thunderbolt has to do what he's told by Johnny Thunder. And uh-huh. this alternate version of Johnny Thunder will be back. Eventually, yes. <laughs> a long, long, long way in the future mm-hmm. in a, in a storyline that I'm not fond of at all. <laughs> but maybe when we read it again, Who knows? maybe I'll change my mind on it. We'll see, what I, we'll see what I thought. Yeah. And also, like, I thought the artwork in this one seemed a little bit sharper than part one. Mm-hmm. It just seemed a little a little richer. Yeah. Especially, let's say, the stuff on the moon and the JSA sort mm-hmm. of dealing with the, the hurricanes and all that sort of stuff. And it was, it was a lot of fun. Yeah. I think it's maybe the story that I had read previously that I've changed my mind about the most Interesting. since cool. we've done it for the podcast. I think that's probably safe to say cool. so far. So, shall we do the, the contemporary reader reaction then? Uh, one more thing I want to say before that, and that's uh, the Evil Justice League in the previous issue and in this issue are never referred to as the Lawless League. It's literally just the cover blurb that calls them the Lawless League. Yeah. I always find that weird when they do stuff like that. Is It's almost like they set something up and that's how people refer to them. Yeah. And if you're to refer to the Lawless League, you would think, oh, it's those guys, the FA guys. But they were never called that. You know, it's just one of these things. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. I that... suppose it... I suppose it's interesting as well that they were set up, you know, they're on the cover and mm. they're set up, they're going to be this mess, big menace, but then the JSA basically deals with them more or less straight away. Yeah. And it doesn't even take, it's you, you kind of expect almost the full issue mm-hmm. to be the battle with these guys, but they're dealt with very quickly. Maybe it was a deliberate thing that Gavin wanted to do, maybe he wanted to subvert people's expectations. Yeah. And I'm glad he did, because I think going to the moon and having a big battle with some weird-looking guys was a bit better than just another 24 pages of, of the JSA fighting bad versions of the League, which might have been a bit dull. Yeah. So, shall we look at the contemporary reader reaction then? Let's do that. So, from Justice League of America, issue 42, we have the JLA mailroom. And the first letter kicks off. Dear Editor, The Earth Without a Justice League and its follow-up, Crisis on Earth A, are the two most original stories I have ever read in your magazine. And your magazine is pretty darn original. Why the adjective original instead of terrific, action-packed, beautifully drawn or colourful, all of which also applied to these stories? First of all, the situation itself was an unprecedented one. Two whole issues of the Justice League of America in which the Justice League itself played no part. Secondly was the nature of the menace, an entire lineup of superheroes fighting not a host of alien invaders or some super scientific criminal, but a petty crook armed with a reluctant thunderbolt. Then there was the humour. Two Johnny Thunders and the Thunderbolt managed to cook up some very amusing situations. They stumbled along, creating one big mess after another. It seemed the only right thing the Earth One Johnny could do was to give the entire thing up and start over. As for the other adjectives I mentioned, I've never seen so much action. Flash vs Thunderbolt, the Justice Society versus Johnny's Crooks and Thunderbolt, the Disguised GSA versus Thunderbolt, the GSA versus the Lawless League. The GSA versus the natural disasters caused by the Thunderbolts, and finally, the GSA versus the creatures dreamed up by Johnny Thunder. The art was very good, especially that in Crisis on Earth A. The cover for this story appealed to me because of the art and because of its originality. All in all, these two issues were terrific, says Susan Sheridan of Berlin, Connecticut. And the editorial response to Susan. Just as our readers report that for them, the highlight of the Justice League issues for the year is the appearance of the Justice Society, so the highlight for us is the highly complimentary mail that serves as our reward. For once, we have no violent arguments or heated issues to settle, so let the readers carry on without our usual editorial comment, except the all-inclusive one of thanks. Editor. So, the next letter says, Dear Editor, running a series, a story begun in one issue and completed the issue after or soon thereafter, 
is tricky business. First, the first instalment of the serial must be very good. So good, in fact, that the reader will be practically forced to buy the follow-up issue. The first part of your serial, The Earth Without a Justice League, lived up to its responsibility. It was very good. Then came the second instalment of the serial, the one entitled Crisis on Earth 8. The second part of a two-part serial is perhaps the most critical, because it must keep the action that the first part has, and there must not have a letdown of plot. Finally, it must end with perfection. Crisis on Earth 8 accomplished all of this and more. Especially interesting was the battle on the moon. Sikowski's art in Part 2 appears rather sketchy and rushed. Oh, I disagreed, sorry. But the background of Part 3 more than makes up for this. In short, Crisis on Earth 8 did indeed complete the action and promises that the Earth Without a Justice League induced, and the serial went as planned and appeared as a novel instead of two different and separate stories. Good show, fellas. Oh, and it's from Frank Tower again. Yes. Eustace, Texas. Frank Tower, who had a letter in the last issue as well. And the next letter says... Dear Editor, great, magnificent, superb, and anything else you might care to add? What am I talking about? Crisis on Earth A, that's what. Nothing has equalled it, and I don't think anything else will. If you guys keep bringing back the heroes from the Golden Age, people 20 years from now will be calling this decade the Silver Sixties. That's from Scott Taylor, Westport, Connecticut. Interesting. I wonder when people did start talking about the Silver Age as a term. Yeah, obviously Golden Age is a term at the moment. but uh, That's very interesting. Yeah. The next letter's very short. It's from Bill Arundo from Denver, Colorado, and he says, Dear Editor, Justice League of America number 37 and 38 contained the greatest story ever printed in any comic book. What more can I say? Well, Bill, I wouldn't go that far. It was certainly better than I anticipated, but I thought the ending was a bit abrupt, but there you go. <laughs> so, the next letter... Dear Editor, I won't say that Crisis on Earth A was the finest story you've ever printed. It is the best <laughs> of the Justice Society appearances, and it did restore some of that old sense of wonder that everyone talks about. What an effect made the issue was the unique handling of the Justice Society. For two whole issues, the JLA existed in name and memory only. The Justice Society finally assumed the stellar role it so rightly deserves. I shall not, however, look forward to seeing this again next time the JSA appears. Such an occurrence comes once in a comics lifetime and it is the fact that it only comes once which makes it so special and that's from our old friend bob butts terrific south bend indiana presumably sure. right and the final letter in this issue dear editor there are quite a few imitations of the justice league currently on the market some are good but all the same they are imitations created by other publishers in an effort to emulate the success the dc has had with the original in a comparatively short span of two years, a standard of superb story and art has been set by which your competitors are miserably inferior. That's interesting. That is, your JLA, JSA classics. To say I was greatly pleased with the second story of your current team-up effort would be a vast understatement. Gar Fox proved himself a mile ahead of the closest challenger as the best writer in the comics field, and as for Mike Sikowski, he can do no wrong as the art he does proves. The best part of all of issue 38 is that ye editor displayed a lack of boastful raving arrogance as shown by your rivals. Ooh. And that's from Leonard Tirado, Saratoga Springs, New York. Limey. That's quite a catty comment. There we are. Against the marvellous opposition. <laughs> so yeah, that was fun. I mean, I enjoyed that. As I said, we, yeah. we were both a bit, I think we were both a bit, mm. oh God, we're going to have to do issues 37 and 38. Yeah. But that was... Much, much better than I was anticipating. It's a great reintroduction to the, the um, premise of Johnny Thunder and the Thunderbolt. It's less less so yeah. for Mr. Terrific. Uh -huh. Every time they bring these characters back, they always find another thing to add to them, another extra layer, another tweak, another character, another power, another aspect of their personalities, mm -hmm. another bit of back history. There's always something new, mm -hmm. which is great. 
I felt sorry for the Atom. I mean, he probably got the least to do, I think, out of all of them. At least Hawkman with all that interesting stuff with his wings going on at Which, again, is something you don't really see very often, because usually, you know, wings don't even come into play. It's just literally him flying. His wings being in danger is rarely anything that's referred mm-hmm. to. But yeah, I thought it was really interesting. Of course, the Atom will get a bit more focus as we go on, because there will be some Golden Age and Silver Age Atom team-ups that we'll talk about eventually. But it almost felt in some ways like him and Hawkman and Mr. T were maybe just there to make up the numbers, because as we say, it was all about Doctor Fate. Pretty much, yeah. Yeah. And this was another story where it was all about the Justice Society guys. Mm-hmm. So that's you know this year we've had the two showcase issues. Mm-hmm. We've had this one. There'll be another Brave and the Bold to follow on from the one we've done already. Yep. And we've talked about what's going on in Wonder Woman, obviously. Uh-huh. I think there must have been enough confidence in DC editorial at the time that these guys could carry it, and these guys deserved these stories. Yeah. So it's, it's good to see. Well, that's what we thought about the story. But what did you think? Please get in touch. You can email us at the Earth Two Podcast at gmail Make sure you follow us on Facebook at the Earth Two Podcast because we put up lots of bonus material up there. You can find some uh, panels from this very story. You'll be able to see the X-Men comparative panels that David's going to put together for you. <laughs> yes. And also follow us on Instagram. We are at the Earth 2 Podcast here and on Twitter. We're at podcast underscore Earth 2. Please do check out our social medias and give us some feedback. Let us know what you think, how we're doing. It is appreciated. So that's all for this episode. I've been Peter. He has been Peter and I've been David. And we will see you next time on... The Earth 2 Podcast. Transmatter cube activated. Return coordinates set for Earth Prime. Dr. Flate. Dr. Flate? What does Flate even mean?